everyone. I'm Linda McHenry, host of The Writer's Voice, and my guest today is crime writer Joe Gannon. How are you, Joe? Very good, Linda. Thank you for having me on. Glad to have you. Now, we're going to talk about two different things today. We're going to talk about research, and you figure it's either gold or poison, and you're going to explain to us about that. And then you're going to talk about creating series characters that last. So why don't you just give my listeners uh, a little history about you and, and, and where you come from and, and why you have such strong opinions about research? Okay, well, I started off really uh, in my career as a writer. I started off as a journalist. I was an editor for in New York for a few years for this kind of small international news agency. And then I went to Central America for several years to work as a freelancer. Now, this is back in the 1980s when all the wars and things were going on. And frankly, Linda, I would find all of this material that I couldn't put into stories. You know, it's American journalism. It's got to be a quote. It's got to be attributed. So I started putting it into my letters home to people. So this is back in snail mail times. Yep. And then I began to kind of invent a little scenario around this thing that I had seen. And the more letters I sent home, people started writing back and going, dang, the things that happened to you. <laughs> and I had this revelation. Where I went, they don't know I made it up. So I slowly began to get into that. And as we often say, you can begin an excellent book with a first line or a character. And so for my first two books, which were crime fiction, uh, crime novels set in Central America during the 1980s. I'm walking around Managua, the capital of Nicaragua one day, and all the buildings there in revolutionary times were named after heroes, people who had been killed in the insurrection. And I go down to the police headquarters, I forget why, and I see this banner that says the Ajax Montoya Mondragon Police Headquarters. And I thought, what a great name for a detective. Ajax Montoya, you know, because it's the joke about people who think it's a cleaning project, and then you have the Greek hero, and that was my first book came from, just that name. Isn't it funny how stuff like that happens? You get inspiration in the strangest of places. Yes, and I'll, I'll come back to it again in talking about my current novel, where a very similar thing happened. So I began then to be able to weave my, a lot of the research for the first two books came from my personal experience. I worked in El Salvador, I worked in Nicaragua, I worked in Miami, where a lot of the rebel groups were founded, and of course in Washington, D.C., where the Reagan administration was kind of orchestrating the whole thing. So that kind of research I had there, but I did a little bit more research into the Nicaraguan language, uh, the great Nicaraguan mythological characters called the Weywense, the character who never lies and never tells the truth. So he's kind of a trickster character. So I, I put that in there a little bit. But I actually read some, uh, a group of French psychologists had gone to Nicaragua to treat soldiers from PTSD. And I read some of the things, the reports that had happened to them. And I wound up putting that in the story as well. But that was research where I'd been there three or four years. And I didn't realize all my research was being conducted while I was doing the journalism. It sounds to me then like you're a writer who writes what you know. Most of your research is pretty much done hands-on, at least the sort of stuff that you write. Would that be a fair assessment? Well, I mean, I, I had a little trip where I went through a period where I was writing screenplays before I got into writing novels. Now, that was good practice because I wrote a bunch of screenplays. I was writing thousands of words every day. None of them got made. I made a little money off of it. But my first screenplay was about an 18th century Jamaican woman named Nanny who really uh, brought a, created the first independent nation in the new world, not the United States. Mm -hmm. And people go, well, you have to write what you know about. And I'm thinking, 
but I know about this. I mean, I read all about the history. I read about slavery. I read a lot of historical background. I'm like, other than a scholar, I know more about Nanny of the Maroons than her descendants, in, or as much other than her descendants in Jamaica. Uh, the current novel I'm on is historical crime fiction, 1800 New York City. So I feel like I'm writing what I know about. All right, so some of it's personal knowledge and some of it is actual research doing your reading. Exactly. And, yes. and, and and I think that that's what most of us do. I, I would imagine though that writing historical fiction, you have to do way more research than someone who's writing current day because current day we experience it. And it's probably easier to research because there's more resources. I mean, how many people from the 1800s can you talk to? <laughs> you know, you have well, to do your written true, stuff and- well, it turns out you'd be surprised how many of them. <laughs> the United States of America was an incredibly literate place and everybody was writing. I mean, you couldn't stop them from doing it. We think of Victorians as being great journal writers. And that's true. The early American colonies during the revolution, they set up committees for everything, everything, uh -huh. public health, the war, safety, everything. And all of this was recorded. They were very keen on creating this record. So I'll give you an example from my current book, okay? Mm -hmm. Seven, yeah, sure. New York. And I'm going, okay, I need names. I need to know a little bit. So I just Google merchants in New York City. And it turns out that Daniel Webster was uh -huh. in the habit of creating these long lists of all the merchants in New York, including my character, Hercules Mulligan, who's listed. Uh -huh. So here is my reference for all my names and their professions. Bootmaker. Uh, and you see some names that are clearly kind of like maybe chi anglicized Chinese names, Spanish names. New York was an incredible, uh, as it is now, melting yeah. pot. So I, I found that. Uh, that was everything. If you, um, uh, like my current character, uh, who's a real historical person, Hercules Mulligan, he was a tailor. So I went in and found 18th century uh, tailor tools and what their names are and things like that. And some of them are, can make wicked kind of weapons if you're in a pinch as well. <laughs> so I found uh, a lot of that. I found a great book about 18th century slang, like the naughty language of the huh? common people. And so I began to use that when you were cursing um, or something. Well, and you know, it's, it's funny that you talk about that because one of the books I'm working on now, there's a, a couple of characters who lived during Prohibition. And like mm. you said, I found some slang that started during Prohibition. And yeah. I think when you're writing, you don't have to use a lot of it. You just want to drop the words and do the phrases, or as you said, talk about different things to, to make it come to life. I, I think that sometimes if we overdo it, it, it distracts us from the reading. But like yeah. I said, there is plenty of sources. And for my daytime writing, I do technical writing in the insurance industry. And doing research is so much easier now because you can access so many things online. But still, libraries and other people well, can't go to the libraries, not all of them as much now the past few months. But I think that a lot of writers, especially if they're writing history, there's a lot of others who can give you ideas and resources where to go to get information to do your that, research. That's very true. And that touches, Linda, upon what we were saying about when research is gold and when it becomes poison. In my first uh, crime fiction book, Night of the Jaguar, set in Nicaragua, I did a lot of research, like I was saying, about the mm -hmm. Nicaraguan language. And I wrote all of these long expository passages trying to put that stuff in there. And when I was in an MFA program, my professors were ripping them out by cages. <laughs> I had one who turned to me, I gave this long 
you know, kind of disquisition on the Nicaraguan language. And he said, this is a human rights crime. You will never repeat it. I was like, okay. <laughs> so a lot of that, again, was it became my darlings that I had to kill off. And it was really interesting, but it didn't move the story along. And I was writing crime fiction, not highbrow literary fiction. So well, that was when I first learned about the gold and the poison. And I think everybody has to come up with that balance because you don't want too much information, but you don't want not enough because let's face it, no matter what you're writing about, there's an expert out there or somebody who knows more than you do who's reading your book. How many times has, you know, a crime writer talked about forensics or talked about the way somebody died or some medical thing and there's a nurse or or someone with medical training right. out there who says, no, no, no. And I do that same thing with insurance. People will talk about insurance and they'll talk about this. And it's like, no, that's not how it goes. I mean, even now you see Medicare Advantage plans on TV and no, 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 no that's not it. So, yeah. and, you know, I've done that before honest mistakes though, yeah. honest mistakes, honest mistakes, but you want to try to avoid them. Let's move on and talk about creating series characters because your first two books were a series and the book you're working yeah. on now, The Girl, in the well is the first in a series. So why don't you share with us your thoughts about how to create series characters that will continue on? Well, in my first book, the, again, the hero was called Ajax Montoya. And I didn't realize it was even a series. This was a precious project to me, Linda. It was, it was a one-off book, except when I finally got through to the writing of it, it ended on a real cliffhanger. And my agent at the time said, you know, if you don't have the synopsis for the second book, how am I gonna sell this one? It's a cliffhanger. So then I really had to start thinking about it. And it was for me really difficult because I had not imagined that. I was already working on another series set also in Prohibition America. So I really had to uh, conjure that up. And being my first time I did it, to tell you the truth, Linda, I, I failed in that a little bit. Uh, I kept the story in Central America, moved it from Nicaragua to El Salvador, and maybe for a wider readership, if I thought to move the series to Miami, to the United States, it might have picked up a little bit more momentum. Now, the book I'm working on, the series I'm working on now, uh, The Girl in the Well, is a Hercules Mulligan mystery series. Now, again, he's a historical person, uh, very big shot in New York prior to the revolution, during the revolution, I learned he was George Washington's most able spy in Manhattan, the seat of British power at the time, the British occupation, and had, his intelligence had saved Washington's life twice. Now, this is all during the Revolutionary War. And then while looking around at some things, I think we mentioned this, my kid was all into uh, Hamilton years ago when it first came out, and he gives me one of his earbuds says, listen to this, and I'm listening, and I'm going, hey, this is pretty good music. And I hear this name, Hercules Mulligan. He's a minor character in the play. And I'm like, ridiculous. Hercules Mulligan. <laughs> oh, what? Where do you even get this guy's kind of a silly name? And I look him up and by God, he's got his own page on the CIA website. He's <laughs> that well-known a person. So I'm loving it. Hercules Mulligan. I mean, that play on words, what a mulligan is and golf and stew and everything. Mm -hmm. So in getting that, I came up with this book here called Duel with the Devil. Mm -hmm. uh, just as a kind of a side reading. And this is a historical account of New York's first sensational murder trial, mm -hmm. which took place in 1799 to 1800. And it was about a Quaker girl found stuffed down in a well. Mm -hmm. Suddenly it was that Shazam moment. I'm like, this story needs a private detective. Hercules Mulligan was an able spy. He has the uh, skills you need for, and I'm like, oh my God, it's America's first private detective. And that was it. I didn't have a plot or anything. I knew I would take the plot from the actual story, 
and put it in there. Well, and then I started doing my research. Hercules Mulligan is about 60 years old in 1800. So I'm like, well, am I going to have him in his 80s? Well, then I realized, okay, I can start with this book. It's the one I've got. But because of his uh, work as a spy, so what I'm creating is during the Revolutionary War, he's a spy, then it's over. There's a famous scene where George Washington visits New York City after the British have evacuated. And his mm -hmm. first stop is at the home of Hercules Mulligan to thank him for his service, but all to keep his fellow New Yorkers from killing him because they think he's a loyalist. Okay. So my imaginary thing is at this conversation, Washington makes an offhand remark. Hercules Mulligan takes it as a personal charge to continue his work in New York City after the war, hence his transition from spy to private eye. And then, of course, I realized I can then work the series backwards from 1800 to 1798. I could jump to the Revolutionary War and move forward. Mm -hmm. And so I've got a series there. And I believe my first book will be the last book in the series. And then I can work backwards with the same characters, which is Hercules Mulligan. Mm -hmm. This is not part of our conversation. It's a separate one. But his fellow spy was a guy named Cato who happened to be Mulligan's personal slave during the okay. Revolutionary War. And they worked together along with Mulligan's wife, Lizzie, who okay. was the daughter of a British admiral, and she became part of this spy ring. So I have these characters. Uh, they're together in the Revolutionary War. I reimagine them together in 1800, and then I'll make them private eyes from the end of the war up to the present and spies during the war. You know, and that's the thing. A lot of people think that with a series, you have to have the same character progressing forward. But there's a lot of series that are based on a location or that have related characters. Like I'm in the first book of a series that's about siblings. We talk about certain things and the series will revolve around the siblings. So I think what's important, and I think you even admitted this when you wrote your first book, you weren't planning on it being a series. So you didn't have that thread that right. you could carry through. You need to figure out what the thread is. Mm -hmm. What is the common element of the series? And it can be anything that you want. Well, you know, thanks, Joe, for sharing your insights with us. I'm absolutely delighted. Hope to see the girl in the well. And once you sell that and you're ready to share that with the world, do let me know. I'd love to have you back. Thank you very much for having me, Linda. This is a lot of fun. It also got me back thinking about my own novel. And I'll be happy to share it with you when it's out. Okay, thanks so much. Thank Take you. care. All righty, bye-bye. Bye-bye.